This podcast is supported by Red Energy, powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Red is a hundred percent Australian owned and local. Phone one three one eight zero six. Welcome to Homestyle with Shana Blades. Thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne, with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today. And welcome, my name is Jane Nielden. Each week on the podcast, I am joined by one of Australia's most well-known and well-loved interior designers. She's a judge on the block, the designer on Selling Houses Australia, Shana Blaze. It is lovely to see you again. Great to see you again too. This is exciting. And this is a subject I know a lot of people will want to know about. We are going to be shining a light on lighting today, Shana. <laughs> and look, along with most aspects of design, I'm assuming, when it's done well, you might not even notice it. Well, that's that's the key. That's when you know it's good design, when it just happens. And we spoke last week about the feeling that a room gives you. Does light factor into every single decision that you make as you approach a particular job or a room or a reno? Yeah, it does. I think the thing is with lighting, it is like the forgotten hero. It's, you know, a basic lighting plan and then just sort it out later. But it but it really comes down to, we were talking about how you live in your home and how it feels and lighting in the end, can be one of the cheapest mood creators that there is because it's all about what you have on, what you have off and what you dim. I was thinking about light and human evolution. I mean, can you imagine, you know, being an early man, woman, cave people and only having the light from the sun, if you were lucky, then fire to brighten your world? I mean, we have been bringing light into our lives and I guess trying to shut it out forever. Interesting you say that because... It is all about our rhythms, our biorhythms with your natural light and your night. And the thing is that that is a whole different thing we can talk about another time. But if you don't have your daylight and your evening rhythms sorted out, that's when people lose sleep. That's when you get stressed. And it's actually really important. But that's all to do with your daylight. Yeah, right. And of course, the you know, people in the European countries, seasonal affective disorder where not enough sunlight can really change their mood. But then they also get the opposite when they've got too much light and they only have a very short space of um, dark light. So they're just like buzz, 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 buzz. So I like to think here in Australia, we have a more even distribution of daylight. So let's just leave the natural light to one side for a moment then. How do you walk into a home that is pre-existing? So we might break this into homes we're going to build from scratch and homes that you're walking into to advise on a design and perhaps a renovation. Is the first thing that you do, Shana, sort of to walk in and scope out where the light is coming from and and check, is there dark corners? Do I feel gloomy? Like, is is that a really fundamental first step? What what it comes down to is... I always ask what people are wanting for a start and how you, how you use the room is more about how you work the lighting out because sometimes a dark corner is okay because it's an area that you don't want anyone to look at and it's an area <laughs> that doesn't need to be highlighted. So I think that's really important when we're looking at our lighting grids that we're so used to flooding it with light that we don't work out what we actually need. So when we walk into a room, we look, talk about the wow factor and creating a feature and lighting is part of that. So I'd like to say that the lighting is a theatre. So if you've got it already established, you know how you live, how you want to light it is the most important thing. Uh, if you've got existing overhead lights, 
and you want to renovate, most of the time you've just got a little daggy light in the centre mm. and you don't have all down lights. So how you approach that is that you don't have to flood the room. So you work out where you sit and that's a real bonus if you're already in the house because you know where the furniture is. So you work out where the down lights need to go. They need to go over the coffee table and they need to go behind you on the couch. So if you're sitting on the couch and it's right in your eyes, one, it's really unflattering and two, it takes away the mood. So that's really important. So when you're reno- when you're actually in the house and you're renovating, that's a major bonus because most of the time you've got the furniture positions worked out. So that's one of the things that you look at. Then you're talking about the dead spots that you live in. One, do you want to bring highlight to it? Do you don't want to bring highlight to it? And then also you've got the advantage of living in the space and knowing where all the natural light is. So you can work out where the dead spots are during the day, but also the dead spots in the evening of street lighting and what sort of exterior lighting into your garden. So that's your approach for when you're already in there and you're renovating. The other approach is when you're starting from scratch. Now, a big thing is to get out a a ruler and do your grid and we need that corner, that corner, that corner, that, that, that. I call that the shopping (laughs) centre. Take away, you know, and electricians, I love them, I adore them. They're all about getting it in the centre of the room and lining them up. Absolutely. So you draw your grid to start off, then you work out where you're going to live. You work out where you're going to sit. Don't look at every room as four points of a corner, especially let's look at a master, not a master bedroom, let's just look at a bedroom. And you tend to have a door in there, you have a window, you have a wardrobe and you have a bed. One of my pet hates is having a downlight over where you sleep and then downlights at the other part. So if you have downlights at four corners of a bedroom, have them on two separate switches so that you can light up the whole room of floodlight if you want to with two switches or you turn one off, which is the ones where you sleep, and just have the downlights where the wardrobe or the entry door is. Mm. So it's really important to get that grid into life, not working out, you know, dimensions of making it perfect. The other thing in... um, what you're working out is that you've got to work out where you function in that room, you know, where you walk in, where your wardrobe is. So it's all the actions that you need to work in a daily life that you need to floodlight. Like a lot of the time people put them over the um, walkway in a kitchen, but you can see that. So it's the light that needs to go over the bench tops and then those lights flood the floor. You don't need to have lights over the island bench, the walkway, and the bench top that you're doing the sink. Sometimes they do lighting in the island bench top, then in the walkway, but you've got your back to those lights on the other bench, so you end up not seeing anything. So whether you're renovating from what you've got at the moment or whether you're starting from scratch, it's really important to get those functional elements worked out. Um, But sometimes it's a benefit having all your furniture in place and know how you use the space before you interact with the lighting. And do you think that's a reason why if you are doing a new build that going to a display home is really important? I mean, you know, would uh, that give you... But if it's not on the right aspect... Yes, I'm a bit yes and no on that because it's a formula. And, you know, they might do certain areas like really beautiful with lighting, but it's very simple. It's, you know, it's down lights and a couple of lamps. They're not looking at hidden lighting, under bench lighting, uh, different lighting in your bathroom, positioning. So I, I would have to say... 
it is a good idea to see what does work for you and what doesn't work for you. Don't use their formula because they do flood it so everybody can see every corner and that's not natural living. Do you often go into older properties and just think, wow, we have come so far? So I was thinking like this week, in my rental in Melbourne, north facing faces our neighbours. It's a 1950s kind of cream brick house. There is not a single window on the north side of the house. I'm like, why is this place always just feels so oh, dark and yeah. gloomy? And it's because obviously they were just like, we'll put it on the block here yeah. and we'll have back back doors, back windows, yeah. front, nothing on the sides. It drives me insane because you've got this beautiful winter sunlight coming yeah. in and you can't capture it. <laughs> the, the, there's two reasonings for that. And I think that's the really big thing of natural light. Like, you know, we've only been in the country, you know, 170 years or, you know, 180 years. And all the original houses up until probably the 40s were well, maybe 30s, were worked around the Northern Hemisphere. So all the windows were facing on what the Northern Hemisphere had because that's what the engineers knew, that's what the architects knew. And point it that way. Point it that <laughs> way. It the and then realising that it comes from different directions. Then you hit the 40s and 50s where it became a little bit more formulated in the homes and so it became very early spec homes is definitely in the 50s where it was cookie cutter. So it didn't matter where you faced this is what it was and that's where the windows were and they didn't they didn't move. So it wasn't until we started getting to the 70s that we it was probably more about sustainability and thermal heating and natural light um, where we actually were starting to focus on Australian design and where we started to focus on how natural light works for us but also how it works with winter and summer in natural heating. So when you're working around natural light, it does, become, it does come under your heating and cooling too, which, you know, as we're saying in good design, you don't know when it works because you feel it. And it's just happening. Bad design smacks you in the face. <laughs> Look, there is a whole episode on sustainability. So let's uh, mark that one down for <laughs> next week. Are there trends happening now, though? You've mentioned some of those aspects like the LED lighting that you can bring in under built-ins or in cabinetry. Are there trends happening where people want flexibility I personally like brighter lights. I hate it when I see my child sitting on the couch on an iPad in a dark room. It's like, what are you doing? He yeah. loves that, though. And my partner likes a dark room when he watches TV, whereas I just find it too dark. So do you have to use the technology to keep everyone in a household happy these days? Your answer on that is dimmers. Because yes. that way you have the same lighting and you just ramp it up for you and then turn it down for your, your child and your husband. So that that is one of the things. Look, the trends are feature lighting in the fact that we've seen lots of chandeliers and pendants. So the lighting was very in your face. So I am a light and I'm a feature yes. over a bench. I'm a light. I'm a feature in a bathroom. So the trend is more for subtlety and the trend is about lighting up the architectural features of maybe a piece of art, the cabinetry that you have. Subtlety is what it is. So it is what we were talking about, the LED lighting. So it can be on the, the underside of a cabinet. It could be the top of the cabinetry in a kitchen where it uplights the, the ceiling rather than lighting up the cabinetry. So I would definitely say technology is driving trend-driven in the fact that you can do lots of hidden parts of, of lighting, but also definitely the, the lighting trend is dimmers 
And that's not just with the knob. There's certain technology where you push the button about four times. So you have to be shown that because I've actually been to some and not knowing it's a dimmer and I push it and then you've got no light. I'm thinking, it's really dark in here. And you go, yeah, you push it four times to get it like that. So you think <laughs> I would know. And the big trend of awareness of what cool lighting is and warm lighting is. So we literally only ever knew that we had yellow warm light because we had tungsten bulbs and then we had cool white light because it was fluoros in oh, an office or a commercial don't building. Don't say the fluoro word. I hate them. Well, <laughs> fluoros have changed. There's actually warm. So it used to be you used to have a warm bulb or a cool bulb and then you would work to that. So the biggest trend is that you now have tubes and you have LEDs that can do both. So not having those lighting strips that are technicolour with, you know, the colours of the rainbow. The flashing little. <laughs> flashing one. So yeah. it works with your warm for the evening and your warm light is to, to calm you down and then your white light, which is your daylight, is for you to run around and do your stuff and get energy. So that would be the biggest trend I'd see at the moment, hidden that you don't see. Now, I've also seen you on Selling Houses Australia and on the block, of course, big reveals. There is a lot of technology involved, like you're mentioning there, the dimmer that you need to press four times. <laughs> Tell me, when you have one of these systems that's all set up and you can go, oh, Siri, turn up my light or, you know, touch, touch, is there a backup for that if things go flat or you lose your controller? <laughs> well, th- there is a... It depends where you put it. Like, you know, if you, if you look at all those, the there are still light switches, but it may not have all the flexibility. So in a bedroom, you know, you can have a light switch at the door, but also a light switch beside your bed to turn everything off. But you might just have the one light by the door and then all the rest is voice command. Yeah. You have to have that backup because... Not only do we have blackouts that are very rare, but, you know, there's technology glitches and technology updates, I don't know, every month, every week, like there's always something new. So you've got to have that flexibility of making it be able to change and upgrade with new technology that comes in. But yeah, I'm the, I'm the same as you in the fact that I just like to turn on a switch, like the voice command. <laughs> I really, I don't like it because it's invasive and I don't use it. And I'm a little bit old-fashioned. I love a switch. Yes, I love it. I've got these really vintage switches in my place. I reckon you would. He actually, the uh, electrician said, oh, I've got some old ones I pulled out of a really old building. Would you like me? And there is something about the clink of these, I'd say they're sort of like, I don't know, turn of the, you know, 20th century, 1900. Are they just or, like that little brass sort of knob and it's you down? Yeah, the, the round bake love light. It. I no, think. exactly. The yet. sound is just so, and it's like, let there be light. So. It's clunky too. Like it's a bit of an effort to do it, but you know you have the light on. <laughs> and do you think people are becoming more aware of bad lighting in terms of like a fluoro that's flickering in an office or it really can have a, a huge effect. Sometimes that noise that they emit, I mean, really, we should be done with it, Surely we can sort of upgrade now and and realise the impact it can have on your well-being. Well, interesting, we do uh, love good lighting because the selfie world has completely changed that oh, one, of yes. having good lighting. And I have to say through COVID, I think, you know, I didn't see it, but I imagine there was almost a sellout of those halo lights for, you know, insta lights. I know I got one and it makes <laughs> all the difference. And Does it, it really? It, well, it just because there's so many shadows Um and as, you know, you sort of like might be on Insta for an hour, the, the natural daylight changes. So you've got to be really careful with that. But definitely the, like the flickering um, can actually create uh, nervous energy 
It can actually work against people that have epilepsy. So it's actually a very physical thing, like a, a very miniature strobe light. And also, you know, having bad lighting means that you actually get used to it and you don't realise how bad it is. You think that, you know, if you're reading in a room and then how many times someone say, would you like a light on? And you go, oh, I didn't realise the light was going. So we actually get used to bad lighting. And once we get fitted with good lighting in our home, it's when we go somewhere else that has bad lighting, you really notice when it's good lighting. But also talking about the flickering and what's happening in some of those, there's a lot of surges, but also there's a lot of um, technology happening that can have interferences. So that can happen as well. But sometimes, you know, you might have a really good light, but the globe's really bad, or you have a great globe, but there's something wrong with the lighting. So it could actually be something you need to get the electrician in to have a look at some of your fittings, because a lot of old fittings can't update to the electrical surges. It sounds ridiculous, but it's true. Yeah, I have noticed that. Now I turn my microwave on. <laughs> so I guess for people, you know, checking your wiring, checking yes. where you're starting. Don't just go down to Bunnings and buy all these new super duper fittings yeah. without actually checking that it's possible to work in with your existing plan. Well, it also, it's, people don't want to hear this. It's really boring. I'm sorry, everyone, but it's a reality. It's your switchboard. Because what happens is, you know, with beautiful old houses, they're only meant to hold a certain amount of wattage per appliance and how many lights. So if you go in and put in all these updated appliances, like one appliance, like a microwave that's, you know, a brand new, you know, maybe in the past six months could take up all the wattage of your whole existing kitchen. And that's why you'll find that your um, main board will short. Upgrading your main board can not only make a difference to the flickering and, and the quality of what you can put in there, but it just allows you to put more subtle lighting and different types of lighting, have your dimmers, you know, have four lights in a room, but two separate switches. So updating it can cost a bit of money, but at the same time, it's going to give you that good quality light, that good quality design. As I said, it just happens. But when you go to someone else that hasn't got it, all of a sudden you'll be an expert. Well, what you need to do. (laughs) Do you ever get people asking you just to come in to consult on, say, a lighting plan, or is it usually part of a full-blown renovation? In a new build, Definitely. And uh, for reno, I tend to work on a few different things, but I do have a lot of people specifically just looking at lighting plans. And if you go into specific lighting shops, they usually have lighting designers in there. So you can actually get them to work on you with the, with the plan and the environment and what you do. And I think that's really important. But also, I always like to work with the electrician on an existing because I I can come up with a lighting plan, but it might actually not work with the existing beams. It might not work with everything that's going into the house, but also what's already existing. So you need to sort of work together on that because once you draw a few dots on a plan, doesn't mean it necessarily will always work. Yeah. So working in with those other trades is is really Yeah, massive difference. Would you like to answer a listener question, Shana? I would love to. I live for it, Jane. (laughs) Of course, if you would like to ask Shana a question, you can reach out to her on her Instagram at Shana Blaze. This is Homestyle with Shana Blaze. Thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne. That's Red Energy. This one comes from Casey in Geelong and she asks, Shana, is there such a thing as too many lamps in a room? I love collecting vintage lamps, but I'm worried I might be cluttering with too many. Any advice. Well, I think now that you've said it out loud, you're probably looking at your room going, yes, I have too many lamps. If you're bringing attention to it, there there is some sort of issue. 
I think lamps are one of the biggest forgotten tools of a beautiful mood lighting, of functional lighting, of when you need to be next, next to a chair or doing a task. It depends what you want to do. Like sometimes you can have all these beautiful pendant lights in a cluster and they work really well together. But if floor lamps and table lamps, it all depends on the size of the room. But in a room, if you have two floor lamps and two table lamps, that's usually more than enough. Other than that, it might become this strange, I don't know, you know how sometimes you get a little cabinet that's got too many knickknacks in yes, it? Yes, yes. That p- could become a little bit more like that in your home with too many floor lamps and, and table lamps for sure. So really look at the overall effect and then sort of pair it back from there. It, de- it depends also if you want the, those lamps to be a feature because, you know, she's talking about having these beautiful lamps that she collects. Well, they do need to be the feature but they need to be positioned in the right place that they visually become a feature but also functional for you. And if it's a feature light and you like collecting them, they're standing out and they will clutter very easily. Yeah, so work around that and maybe pair back some of the other things that Absolutely. are coming Can you actually get um, old lampshades recovered? Does anyone do that anymore? Can you revamp an old <gasps> Look, lamp? And- I think if recovering an old lampshade is expensive you're better off just Isn't starting it? new so you get an old you get an old lamp stand and then get a brand new shade there's some really good people out there on um, Instagram and I don't know anyone's name to say so but have a look at people that actually do bespoke lampshades that might be a hashtag that you can use but People get all these really old vintage fabrics. They get offcuts from other companies and they make all these incredible lampshades. And that way you can create a lot of individuality in your room rather than just having the traditional white or black or just a very simple shape. You know, you might actually get a, a lamp base and decide that you want to do an oval shape. You might want to do a circle shape. You might want to do a square shape. You might want to do a rectangular shape. So you can actually change the look and feel by adding just a completely different shade. You might want to add a few tassels or pom-poms if you're really game. <laughs> if we were to walk into your front room, Shana, the, the entryway to your house, paint the picture for us, what sort of lighting plan do you have? Well, I actually have a vintage chandelier from France I've got from a cellar. Sigh. Let's just all just sigh. Of course I do. <laughs> okay, tell me about this. Where did you find it and how on earth did you get it back to Australia and get it installed in your house? Well, actually, it was from um, somebody who does buying trips over in Paris. So they go to all the old markets and fairs and and garage sales that are over there. And what they do, they actually do a little email, a newsletter to um, suppliers, which is I am... You know, so you're on the lucky I'm list. I'm on the lucky list. <laughs> and uh, they just say it's all one off. It's all one off. So, you know, first in, first best dressed. So here's so, the picture. This is what we're, our rough description is. Yep. It may not have, you know, yeah. a couple of hundred years of history to it. They might just say, here it is. You either want it or not. Exactly. <laughs> and most of the time they're not wired. So you actually have to get them rewired to Australian standards. Mm. So that's really important. But I've got that and it's just good. It, it adds a sense of romance. So I've got that with. Um, I think it's got about eight little um, globes on it and it's on a dimmer because eight is a, a lot. So you dim it down when you need to. And it's not in the centre of the room. It's actually over a table to the side. Oh, really? So, that seems counterintuitive to me that you would have a room centred and then oh, it almost makes me feel uncomfortable thinking of it not dead centre. That- well, life isn't centred. That's what it is. <laughs> the room, the room functionality is not centred. So it's yeah. actually... Uh, 
It's a beautiful piece, so I've created it as a sculpture in a certain area over a table that is in almost to the corner, and it creates a, a sculpture element to it. And then I do have downlights in the functional areas, but they're on two different switches and they're dimmers as well. So I like to work out, am I walking in the room to get up and down the stairs or am I holding a party? Am I having a conversation in my home office? You know, all those sorts of things. So that way I have flexibility without having to change everything the whole time. So separate switching and dimmers make a huge difference. I think the separate switching is like probably the takeaway for me. That, it's key. Yeah, that you're not just like, okay, kitchen lights are on, boom, the whole yep, thing. pretty much. Uh, did you have parents who used to yell after you left a room every single time, Shana, turn the light off? Oh, I think every parent turns into their parent when that happens. And it's it's got a lot to do with, you know, there was one light and one switch. Yes. And you walked in the room at one end and went out at the other end. And if you had to go turn that light off, you have to walk through the room in the and back in the dark to get <laughs> out of it. So I think that's got a lot to do with it in the fact that, you know, you get yelled to turn the light off because there was only ever one convenient switch that didn't actually work with how you lived. Now we have separate switching at other ends. May not always work either. Uh, people have apps on their phone so they can actually turn their lights off from their phone. And I think, I was just thinking then would be really great, you know, with the big family and the kids don't turn the lights off so you can just sit there and turn their lights off in their room. <laughs> Say, no, if you won't turn them off, here you go. <laughs> so the thing is like the electricity bill is absolutely astronomical if you don't turn the lights off. But because a lot of things are LED now, that the bill isn't as big. I saw someone complaining on Facebook the other day just saying, when did light bulbs start costing 10 or $15 each? But really that's the flip side, isn't it? That, you know, cheap bulbs, cheap yeah. light, yeah. but you were replacing them quite frequently. Bad for the environment. Exactly. And they cost you a lot to run, whereas now you invest that 10 15 even more dollars per actual bulb yeah. and you get the returns in the energy savings. And that's the thing. It, it's the what it costs you energy wise, but also the replacement time. Like, you know, some globes can last. I put all my globes in my, when I renoed where I am at the moment, five years ago, I've only ever replaced one. Wow. So they have paid for themselves in more ways than I can imagine in replacement and also in the energy levels. And I've got to say, um, some of the globes, like, you know, if you're moving house and you only put them in a year ago, I'd swap the, the bulbs for the cheap ones. Take the, take the expensive ones with you. Absolutely. But also it is, you know, if it's a $10 globe, it's probably going to have warm light and natural life. So it's, you know, that works with an app as well. Fantastic. Now, Shana, I have uh, the pleasure of doing another show called The Sport of Gardening with Dale Vine, who yes. was a contestant on the block. And I was saying I was going to chat with you about lighting. He said, oh, Shana might be used to the bright lights of the stage. Are the rumours true that you were a bit of a songstress back in the day? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. On, tell me all. I did not know this about oh, you. Look, I was mainly just singing with friends um, when someone got married. We did used to sing around the campfire or whatever and they said, would you like to, you know, sing at our wedding? And then I ended up getting into musicals from that and really? having lessons. And then while I was studying for interior design, I used to work in bars but also sing in duos, like really bad duos. Uh, duos, with, you know, with that little backing track, a choo, 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 <laughs> really bad snare drum. Yeah. And then... Uh, 
then I got more into it and started working around jazz, not just um, covers and working around blues and soul and then working with quite a few different people. And then it was when uh, my kids were quite little and interior design was, it's it's really demanding, really, really demanding. So it was much easier for me to sing at night than what it was during the day. So I could be there for the kids during the day, sing at night, but I have to say, because I was a single mum for a long time while yeah. I was doing that, I would be driving home at, you know, one in the morning, two in the morning, and then the kids would be up at five o'clock. Oh, and wow. <laughs> hence to say that my kids were very used to having, like, stories as I was whispering, so I used to have to whisper a lot because, you know, it's a lot of damage on your throat. Your voice was um, shot. <laughs> uh, yeah, and back then you could smoke inside every restaurant and bar. Oh, yes. So I, I, I did a lot of that damage to my vocal cords around then and then stopped and then got back into it again. So I'm looking at writing it. I've been writing a few songs at the moment. I've got oh, somebody wow. I'm working with. So might be warming up those vocal cords for a bit of fun, <laughs> a bit of fun, but it'll be really nice to just because it's such a good fun thing to do. Yeah. But yes, I I did have some bright lights at one stage. Wonderful. I'm so glad that I asked (laughs) you that because I was like, no, surely I would know about that. (laughs) (laughs) Probably why I've got such a throaty laugh. (laughs) Well, Shana, it has been a pleasure chatting lighting with you. And of course, if people would like some more of your tips to see some of the work that you're doing at the moment, they can head to your Instagram at Shana Blaze. They can even ask you a question there. And your website is stunning, must I say. Well, it's actually being updated. Thank you. I'm just a bit bored with it. It's part of my Aries um, makeup is that, you know, oh, I love it, love it, a bit bored, time to move on. Yeah. So, yeah, we're refreshing that at the moment. But thank you. So head to Shana Blazer's website as well. And we're going to join you again next week on Homestyle with Shana Blaze. We're going to talk sustainability. It's been a pleasure having you with us. My name's Jane Neild and we're doing it all thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne. That's Red Energy. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Homestyle with Shana Blaze. Thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today. If you enjoyed Homestyle with Shana Blaze, then check out the other podcasts in the Red Energy Lifestyle Series. For all things gardening and DIY, enjoy the sport of gardening with Dale Vine and Jane Neal. Compost is on trend at the moment. It is is as cool as a hairstyle by Dustin Martin, I can tell you. Born and bred in Melbourne, that's Red Energy. Thanks for listening to Homestyle with Shana Blaze, part of Red Energy's podcast lifestyle series. Available on your favourite podcast platform and the SEN app.